eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your lunchtime parlay coming up in 24 minutes here with Gresham Fourier, Harden for Fourier. You're giving me the look like you don't have a pick. No, can I give you a teaser? Uh, I suppose. Uh, es bueno. Oh, boy. What are you? What are Boy you? Bueno. What are you tapping into the UEFA action here? It, it's or? nay. They have to hang around to find out. Are we going some? Get a big Concacaf pick. I got a big what? A big Concacaf pick. Glad we didn't have to drop that. I thought you said something uh, else. Uh, no, I was going to say that. Uh, Thank you for reminding me, by the way, uh, Hart, because I didn't put it in. I need to go find it. Uh, I'm uh, I'm putting it in the the show sheet. You lost your Concacaf. Is that what you're uh, saying? Yeah, Billy's taking over. Oh Lord. I have a funny. I just I I can smell what's coming from Hart. I could just see that it's going to be a, you know, oh I'm adding value with a plus fourteen hundred underdog that's never going to hit. Better than making a minus sixteen hundred pick. No, no. Well, that is true. Did Wait, you who know? Who did minus sixteen hundred? Uh, Fourier yesterday picked Novak Djokovic at minus sixteen hundred. So have seen me and Nick here in here after he dropped the first set. They were celebrating. They were celebrating. That's awesome. What we figured out, Hart, was a three-leg parlay based on yesterday's picks would have paid about $123 with Fourier throwing Djokovic in there to make it a four-legger. It made it 130 So it added like seven, but he was like, oh, i got to get a winner. I wouldn't even do – I had an option that was minus 525 that I wouldn't even consider. Minus 1,600. Yeah, the Las Vegas Aces tonight, even though it's the back end of a back-to-back, they're like minus 1,200 in the WNBA. That's about what you're betting right now. It's uh, it's WNBA action, it's NBA Summer League, and communist football. That's about it. it There's th- other options. Oh, boy. What did, what, uh, what did you discover? The uh, Brazil uh, Basketball League or something like that? Don't you worry about it as long as it's they a got winner. A, they, they're playing hoops in Peru or something. As long Another. as it's a winner. All right. Well, that is true. Uh, I have five little ditties for you here on the uh, New England Patriots. About Jack and Diane? Yeah, Fourier and I didn't get to this yesterday, but it is uh, worth a little discussing. Because okay. I'm going to get you in a little stream of consciousness right now, right? Ooh. 
Finger on the button. Number one, strongest position group of the New England Patriots is? Well, I kind of meld it together. I say defensive front, defensive line. I think the group that includes. I am surprised you went there. Barmore. That includes Judon, because I include him as an edge player, not a linebacker. I'm with you on that. He's more D-end than he is linebacker. I'm assuming Lawrence Guy is going to be in town and ready to contribute at some point. I have no reason to not think so, but it's, it's on watch. So you have Uche, you have Judon, you have Barmore, you have Guy, you have Keon White, who I think a lot of people are excited about. You have Dietrich Wise still, who's kind of just a rotational forgotten guy who the first half of last year was really, really freaking good. Mm-hmm. I think that defensive front against both the run and the pass could be the uh, foundation of a good defense. I thought you were going to go back end when you mentioned defense. I'm thinking, oh, we're going into the secondary here. And it's interesting Ooh. that you went uh, D-line group. Uh, you know, I know that we just talked about Mike Gusecki a little bit. I still think the best position group is a tight end. And I do separate the tight ends from the wide receivers because now we have somebody that at least has a clue as to what to do with those guys. And I think when we're done at the end of the year, we're going to look at the tight end group as highly, highly productive, even by modern day football standards here and you nailed something in the last segment that I think is a sneaky part of that whole tight end evaluation the numbers may never stack up and blow anybody away like Gronk's best year whatever it was 85 catches thousand plus yards da 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 those touchdowns that's really where it's at for me in terms of the tight ends how active are those guys going to be in the red area? How active are they going to be in the goal to go? So give me a number. I Gasicki think and Hunter Henry combined tight ends. I think I mean, they touchdowns. Can, I think they can get to fifteen combined. Ooh, that's a good year for those two then. Well, and that's think about year. it because you that's figure that because I'm on like Ramondre will get some goal line touches, but Matt Patricia would be the run the one that would be running nakeds with Mac Jones at the goal line as an evolution to what they're doing, whereas Bill O'Brien's evolution of we get into week four, seven, 10, 13 in the season, the layering of those tight ends inside 20 yards to go, I think is going to pay big, big dividends, and that's where Bill O'Brien's really going to be able to make some hay. A lot of it is based on this offensive coordinator can look at these guys and sort of imagine different ways to use them, route spacing, rub routes, things like that. The only thing Matt Patricia knew about rub was putting it on whatever oh, he's smoking on the cooker. The cheap shots are just endless. Not fair. Are you the lone defender of Matt Patricia? or I think the bullying has reached uh, excessive. Aren't you the one who also says if it's true, it isn't mean? Yes. Okay. Weakest position group for the New England Patriots is? This is a tough one to me. There's a few options, I actually think. I think you could point to three. Uh, I'm going to go with cornerback. Ooh. Because as high as everyone is on Christian Gonzalez, perfect fit for the perfect need, you got value, you even traded down the whole damn thing. He's never stepped on an NFL field. And we know there are guys that are thought to be great, can't miss, that either – Take a while to get up to speed. Maybe it's a half a year. Maybe it's a full year, year two jump, or are just overrated. 
Or maybe the teams that passed on him knew something. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's soft and he can't play the NFL game. Whatever. And Jack Jones, A, hasn't really played that much football. B, was suspended to end the year. And C, could be going to the pokey at some point. Well, there is that, and that could be a problem. No question. So, I, I know you have a little bit of a safety net, pun intended, I guess, in Mills could go back to corner. He's been your number one corner. See what I did there? Waka waka. Waka waka. I don't really think Marcus Jones is all that good at corner. I think he's a mediocre corner. I think he's better with the ball in his hands than preventing it, you know, being in the hands of other people. So I just, the house of cards. I deem that the cornerback position is very much a house of cards. Right now, for me, it's running back. And Ramondre is probably one of their five best players going into the year. He is. But that's it. Not well, having, I mean, Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong, right? You have, Don't you know how it works around here? You, you draft people. running backs, sure. They rest a year, they mm-hmm. get a little snippet, they fumble, they yep. go in the doghouse, and in year two, they break out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, yeah, Shane Vereen. It's an oft-told story here in New England. I'm nervous. Not that Ramondre can't deal with the pounding of being a running back that can carry it 200 times a year. He's big. He's stout. We know he's going to. But you're a turned ankle away from having to count on Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris to get you I thought through. Dalvin Cook was coming. To get you through. Well, that's that's honestly, that's something that the, the Patriots now should seriously consider. And I brought this up the other day, Hart. If you have those two guys on the on the field, or if you have those two guys to rotate, there are no tells. And that right now is one of my bigger worries in terms of running back is that if Ramondre's in there, yep, you could get hit with a screen. You can get hit with an angle route. You can also get hit with, you know, a 25 cross power trap and he'd run that thing right up in there. But after that, there is nobody that they realistically can count on. And if you put Pierre Strong out there on third and seven, what are you thinking? You put Kevin Harris out there on first and 10, you're not worried about that guy catching the ball. So we're back to the the only good thing that Matt Patricia did on offense last year was diversify the touches for Ramondre Stevenson. So now there aren't the big tells. The problem is everybody else behind Ramondre, it's, Tell City. You might as well be looking at the hands of the cards that uh, you might as well show your cards to everybody else while you're playing poker. Yeah, the only, the only thing I would push back is I think Ramondre's a star. As you said, top five player on the team. He's Hell, fantastic. Might end up being a top five to eight running back in the NFL. He's great. But at cornerback, I don't know who. Jonathan Jones is your best player. If you're going to take into account experience and everything. And I don't know where he's playing. If he's playing on the outside, I think he's very average. If he's on the inside, I think he's good. Mm-hmm. But if you need him on the outside because Jack Jones is suspended or Jack Jones is gone or or Christian Gonzalez isn't ready, even though he's clearly going down the, the strange road, he's being given the number one cornerback job. We drafted you for a reason. You're the number one corner. We've identified you as a plug-and-play. Right. Go earn it. Don't make us look dumb. And what if you start to make us look dumb? Jonathan Jones has to be on the outside. I don't love Jonathan Jones on the outside. I don't think he wins a lot of matchups. We, the, the glaring example was T. Higgins. 
T. Higgins treated him like a little boy. Of course. T. Higgins said, I'm a man. Yep. You're a slot corner. We yep. should not be on each other, but you are. Sorry. You know what? But you also uh, mentioned earlier about Jalen Mills and that versatility. And right now, that is something they do not have at running back. If J.J. Taylor is in there, there's a problem. You know, I think if JJ Taylor's Whereas, on the roster, you have a well, and, and about it might Ty be. Montgomery. Well, again, I you know what? what? I I'm I, I'm not against the guy being on the roster, but it's a lot like uh, Slater in that he'll be named something. He'll have a, a a position group that he's a part of, but I don't know if that's like Matt Slater's listed as a wide receiver, but mm-hmm. we all know he's a special teams guy. Correct. Ty Montgomery is not really a running back. But is he not really a wide receiver? Based on like I don't know what he is on OT. Based on OTAs right now, right now he's yeah. a wide receiver for this okay. team. But that was remember everybody was out. They didn't have a lot of numbers. Of course, he was a wide receiver for the bulk of spring. And work. that I just look at I just look at running back and think it's incredibly thin. You know, for the thought of having James Robinson as that number two, I liked that idea. I did too, and I still think they're not against it. It's more of getting the right, maybe the right guy in there. Sure. Uh, number three, in terms of the 2023 New England Patriots, aside from Bill Belichick, who's the best coach on the Patriots? Bill O'Brien. Absolutely Bill O'Brien. Even more than Mayo. Yeah. Interesting. Bill O'Brien has proven himself as a play caller, offensive coordinator, as a head coach, as a college head coach in arguably the toughest job in the history of the sport. That was pretty damn he, close. He walked into a burning building. Right. So, I mean, his track record and resume, making the playoffs, and I know the division wasn't good, but making the playoffs with multiple quarterbacks in Houston, finding success. I mean, I know the wheels fell off, and he became the GM, and it became a crap show, all of that. Yeah. But when he was just the coach, he was a pretty damn good coach. And he's proven his mettle over the course of now 20 years as either a college or pro coordinator, college or pro head coach. So Gerard Mayo, rising star, absolute rising star, but still rising, needs needs to get there, needs to get to that point. Because in one sense, we don't really know what Gerard Mayo does. He doesn't call plays. He's a big part of the game planning during the week, but I think he's really running things on on defense. And that may be. But he doesn't call the plays. Steve Belichick just sends in signals or whatever. Like I, no, no, I think he calls the plays. Like to me, those guys are sharing a brain. Well, like, you could I even think, say he's giving him his brain. Like I, I because the game planning is all you know, third and less than five in the low red zone. I got a couple calls right here already on my play sheet. Couldn't you see Mayo getting a head coaching job elsewhere and bringing Steve Belichick as his defensive coordinator sure. with him? I yeah. think he should. Whereas I don't well think I, I, I agree. However, I am with you. Uh, it's Bill O'Brien, hands down. And even if Scar were coaching, I would probably still say Bill O'Brien because Scar is a fantastic coach. But to your point, Bill O'Brien, I think, does for as much as it ended badly in Houston and everybody points to that or that, you know, that's why he's a bum or whatever, the personnel decisions got in the way. As a coach, the guy knows what he's doing, and he's proven he can call offense anywhere. Look at what they were doing at Penn State whenever he left. Look at what they were doing at Alabama. Now, again, I know everybody's like, well, Alabama's got players. Well, duh, but look at what he did with them. Like, they weren't just, oh, 25 points a game, and we were skating by. Right. No, they were blowing doors because the scheme matched the talent, and it was right place, right time. But anyway. How come we didn't say Joe Judge? Um, Who? What? What's he doing? 
The guy's coached offense. He's coached special teams. He's been a head coach. Do you think he is the special teams coordinator again this year and they're just not saying anything? Yeah, no, it, there's not even a question. I'm with you. Cam- Anybody who watched practices, Cam Accord has been chopped off at the knees. He hands out the little condoms they put on their head for practices. The and you know what? Things. And that ain't a bad thing. If that's if that's where Joe Judge ends up, that's his wheelhouse. Yeah. The question is, will the people who he's trying to coach look at him and be like, this guy's a knob. That's the, you no, know. No, I don't think so because Matthew Slater is a big Joe Judge fan. Bingo. And yep. you if your it. leader takes you in that direction, I think that'll quell. So if the he was gone group. and maybe right. Brendan Schooler was the head of the special teams and he's young and he's like, Yikes. I watched this guy last year. He was a boob. He ruined Mac Jones. Like, there might be an issue, but. He had his top lieutenant is in line right behind him, and I think that emboldens him. Uh, number four on this list, which position group keeps you up at night? I would say tackle. Uh, just the unknown of the tackle position because we've all seen bad offensive line. Sorry to skate your side of the street, as I always say. Oh, no. Bad offensive line can derail any offense. So Bill O'Brien might be good. Yeah. Mac Jones might be good. Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki might be good. And Bourne might bounce back. And they may even get D-hop. But if the tackles are turnstiles and suck, it won't matter. You know what's interesting? I saw something today about uh, the Patriots have done nothing to improve the offensive line. Wait a minute. Like, what am I missing here? They signed Calvin Anderson. Mm -hmm. They signed Riley Reef. Now, are those guys just straight up starting left tackle, starting right tackle? No. No. But let's also remember that in, what, week 13 of last year, The New England Patriots had to go to the Jets practice squad to find a body that had a clue as to how things work up here in Connor McDermott to just get a body on the field to be able to survive. And Bill said, thank God we have him. Yeah, thank God we have Connor McDermott. That's crazy. So now McDermott is, what, fourth on that depth chart. And there's the Stuber kid from Michigan that we don't know about, but a lot of people liked. So, and you brought in a real O-line coach. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of improving the offensive line is, again, not having the, the guy who I shouldn't pick on, according to Andy Hart, who was here last year, who was running that O. To me, Adrian Clem is like a free agent signing for this offensive line group. And, as The Rock would say, if Trent Brown sucks, it doesn't matter what you just said because if you don't have Trent Brown, if you suddenly say Calvin Anderson is our starting left tackle. It'd probably be Reef first, wouldn't it? Is he going to retire or be on the team? Because I think he's a very strong candidate to be the annual August Patriots retired offensive lineman guy. I think this is where the Patriots learned their lesson in that they gave him some real money to stay around. He's an old coot who's chasing a ring. I don't know if anyone told him. You don't chase a ring in New England anymore. Because who was the – I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there a guy that they had signed a couple years ago from Green Bay who, like, literally the day before camp was just like – Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. But he was also, I think, on a minimum deal. Like, I think Riley Reef ended up with, like, they probably, $5 million to Like, it's almost like we're ensuring you're going to show up. They've had probably a half dozen in the last 10 years. Just up and Offensive linemen just yeah. like, nope, I'm done. Don't need to be doing this anymore. Right. Not going down. Wasn't there a the guard corner. from Tennessee or something as well? Like, yeah, there's a there's bunch of those bunch. guys. And uh, Riley Reef has been a one-year journeyman the last few years of his career bouncing around. Calvin Anderson is a practice squad retreat. You need Trent Brown to be engaged, to be good, to be wanting to pursue money. 
Like, okay, did you last see him year yesterday? Did you see the photos awesome. of him yesterday? Awesome. Great. He's... That's better than what I saw in the OTA field, which was the first day he wasn't there. The second day he threw a bag nonchalantly and then didn't practice the rest of the time. Yeah, for me, it's all about the way he looks physically. Because uh, as a larger person myself, uh, there, there are two ways O-linemen go. They turn into Alan Fanica, get down to 200 pounds and run marathons. Or they have a hard time dealing with their size. Correct. Trent Brown is the latter. Yes. And if Trent Brown wasn't putting in the work, it would show in the way he shows up physically. Meaning he'd show up about 385 pounds to work into shape versus coming in in shape. So there is at least that piece of it where if he were completely checked out, he would be just blubber guts. Well, I mean, he's kind of always blubber but guts. But he's also like six, eight and a half. And, you know, I'm a large human. Like, even I look at Trent Brown and be like, damn, that's a big guy. He's also always been a challenge. Other than the one year where Dante, Dante. reined him in, motivated him, got the best out of him, and got him to just think about winning the lottery, which is the way Trent Brown said, I want to win the lottery. And he signed that deal with the Raiders. And he did. Other than that, Oakland, San Francisco, and New England have seen sort of the true Trent Brown for and the most that, part. And that is why Clem is so huge. Mm. Because I can understand why Trent Brown would not listen to Matt Patricia and would be very disengaged. More shots at Matt Patricia. Uh, Well, again, if you were an old lineman, if you were uh, – uh, if you were uh, David Andrews, hmm. I'd love to. I'd love to get David Andrews on the truth meter and be like, "Hey, of all the O line coaches that have rolled through here, who's the one that impressed you the least?" I think I know what that answer would be. Well, it shouldn't be Matt Patricia because he really wasn't an O line coach. Well, even though he was a man who coached the line, he was not an O line coach. Right. So whether it's Billy Yates or he who should not be named, there there wasn't a person in that. Like Adrian Clem will, I think. At least look at Trent Brown and might not be scared to say, hey, F you, you play for me. Get your bleep in line and see what happens. I still think Trent Brown will be okay, but it is scary. And then I also had the uh, off of, uh, what, ESPN and their top 10 pass rushers and da-da-da. Is Matt Judon a top five pass rusher, in your opinion? Done. Oh, we will revisit that.